Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week, I do another episode from my uh, time spent in Sydney. We, this time, I catch up with uh, Fibs. How you going, Fibs? I'm good. Thanks for uh, taking the time to sit down and have a chat. Pleasure. We uh, actually had a crack at doing this last night, didn't we? And we, uh, I think we had a few too many beers under our belt. Yeah, started off good. And then <laughs> as the evening progressed, I think I got a little bit more sloshy and a little bit harder to get the words out. So, yeah. So yeah, let's have another crack. It <laughs> went from conversation to uh, rambling. Yes. And we <laughs> from cut both. it short and continued the drinking. From both of us. Yeah. It was good fun though. But um, yeah, so thanks for uh, sitting down doing this again. It's, it's all good. So you're, um, you're a... Sydney-based artist, and you've you know you do gallery work and you know graffiti and you know you've been painting for a really long time. Like um like what are your origins and when did you start? Okay, yeah, I guess I consider myself a bit of a jack of all trades. Definitely started off as a graph kid. So originally from the south coast, a place called Naruma, uh, five hours out of Sydney. Moved to the Big Smoke when I was about thirteen. Uh, with my mother and moved into the lower north shore into an old railway cottage actually and uh, it sort of looked onto some tracks which go between Waverton station and Luna Park and it's pretty much with their shunting tracks so they didn't take pa- uh, passengers but uh, yeah I constantly had trains going backwards and forwards in front of me and of course coming to the city as soon as I was you know exposed to the city and you know, I was seeing all the graph up around the railway corridors and instantly just wanted to immerse myself in it and be a part of it. And already, I was already interested in artwork and doing that sort of stuff, so it just was sort of like, seemed like a you know, gradual progression for me. It was something I was really into. I love the energy and, the, and um, oh, you know, just even things like watching. I think most people have a similar similar story, but even like getting exposed to things like Beat Street and other elements of the hip-hop side of it it just you know i was engrossed by it i wanted to do it um through going to school around the lower north shore i was lucky enough to bump into other writers first who i could go off and paint with i was never i wouldn't say i, I threw myself into it straight away i always was into bombing you know i used to ride the back cars a lot and you'd meet a lot of other graphers or bombers then too because they're out doing the same thing and i used to take a lot of photographs as well so i've actually got a huge amount of old sort of like 86 87 sort of graph and I love looking back at that sort of stuff because uh, you know the scene has changed hugely from old cans which you know we racked and were hard to acquire and there were things for like shoe paint like tuxens or car paint um, a lot of the old cans had like Aussie nozzles which are like chisel tips uh, the, everything had a very different look whereas today you know you can get everything and anything it's a lot um, it's a lot easier to get your hand on. and But yeah, through going to school around the Lower North Shore, I was going to school with Haro, um, Prinz's sister, and another guy, Shannon, who writes Demote. And these guys pretty much became my mentors. And I think they really uh, changed my view on where I could take it and what I could do, as well as being you know, very good buddies, good friends. They sort of took me under their wing and... I guess you could say schooled me to the history of Sydney and I learned a lot about the people who sort of like laid down the foundations here in Sydney and you know, even learning how to do particular styles or like it was really, back then I guess it really was that sort of thing that you had to be 
initiate like you had to you had to know the people to be to get involved with it and to be accepted with into the scene whereas these days i think there's a lot of writers that sort of just or street artists or graphers whatever you want to call them that sort of just take it upon themselves to become a part of it whereas before it was more you had to be accepted into the scene almost initiated you know we used to actually go rack paint for the the older guys and in return they would take us for a paint or give us outlines or help us out with certain aspects so um yeah i think a lot of that sort of aspect to it has sort of died out and um yeah it's not necessarily a bad thing but i think that things are getting lost as well through all this sort of like social media like there's a there's so much at your fingertips, but then at the same time, to really know the history about a place, you sort of need to speak to the, the older generation to find out those sorts of things, unless it's you know, a blog or it's been put in print. So, yeah. And you're, so you're pretty um, big on your history of Sydney Graph. Yeah. I guess you've seen, you know, you've sort of learnt from the gen- who, what was happening the generation before you started, and then I guess there weren't, wasn't really much happening before then, was there? Um, oh, look, there's always been stuff happening, and... You know, Sydney was lucky enough to make it into spray can art. So there's a little section in there with a guy, an old Sydney writer, he's right, alien, but... Um, but I mean, yeah. if you were started in, in like, what, 87 or something, you were saying? Like, yeah, well, I guess like the, how, the idea was I mean, uh, was planted and it was, what I, it was what I wanted to immerse myself in and do. But, it, like, once again, I wouldn't say I was super active in 87. It's not like people would look back and see my stuff. It took me quite a few years to sort of build up the confidence to sort of all of a sudden get out there and be doing things bombing yeah for sure um but you know doing the pieces and that sort of stuff took a lot longer for me to be confident um always very confident characters and still still am today i think most people know me for my sort of stylized characters and that was definitely like yeah when i first started painting characters was easy that's how i you know that's what i did it was the other sorts of stuff the piecing and learning how to get you know a particular letter style down which was more more challenging for me and uh, you know a bit of a uh, get a look at my stuff I can be very self-critical so for me I didn't want to do it unless I could nail it sort of thing but um yeah it's you know Sydney's definitely got a very each place that you go to around Australia let alone over you know different parts of the world you know it's um you have to know what you're looking at and you can sort of work things out just by what you see I guess but yeah you have to be in the know Mm. yeah Going back to um, what you were saying about developing your style and everything like that, I think um, people who, outside of graffiti, who haven't really practiced, you know, drawing letters and mm. and um, you know, designing a piece, um, like underestimate how hard it is to actually do a good piece, and mm. like or even a good sketch, you yeah. know, and then translate that into a good piece. Yeah, no, I guess so. Yeah, there's a lot of like the stuff. You know, everybody who starts does, does something terrible. You're always, we're all shit at first in the beginning. And then it's like trial and error and you practice and you start to work out yeah, your direction. Uh, I think very early on for me, I, I realised that it was important to do something that wasn't too generic and was unique to you and what, what you did. Um, like Demote was already a style master. His later styles were amazing. Um, very you know, responsible for sort of like, you know, partly responsible. There's a bunch of other you know, graphers as well, but helped push a particular direction that Sydney is proud of, uh, very sort of like based on sort of New York, sort of traditional sort of spray can art style graffiti. And Prinz is from Maori heritage. And he was 
you know, ahead of his time too when he was doing stuff. Both very prolific writers in Sydney, let alone the North Shore. And um, the one thing that I sort of picked up from Haro was, you know, when he started to, to like sort of do more research about where who he was and where he came from and that sort of stuff, he was uh, getting right into his heritage, his Maori stuff, and it would make its way into his artwork. And that sort of rubbed off on me. I was always a bit jealous, you know, I consider myself a bit of a mongrel and... But therefore, I sort of treat it in the sense that I'll take from all over the place to get my inspiration or, you know. But it was really, it was cool to see, like, Haro sort of develop his graffiti piece style and then translate them into carvings and then incorporate um, little, you know, traditional Maori patterns into them or, you know, just gave it even more meaning. And then once again, to, to think outside the box and to start doing work in this manner it was completely no one had done anything like this before and I'm glad to say I think he's still um, doing it here and there which is good because he wasn't for a long time I don't wouldn't say I speak to these guys a huge amount these days they they are good buddies and I always have time for them but I think life gets busy and we end up going in, in different directions and um, yeah they, they are definitely very intu- influential figures in my journey or where I've come from and where I'm going they're I don't. If I think if I hadn't have met those guys, I'd probably be doing something very different today. So yeah, yeah. Do you, like what? What sort of things do you think you you'd be doing? I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Look, who knows? I don't. Know. I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. Be some boring ass job that I hate myself for. And but yeah, I think. I guess going back to what we we're saying before, I think there's a there's always like a little bit of an uprival or this sort of you know it's happening in melbourne it's happening sydney it's happening all over the place it's sort of like within the scene there's a battle going on with it in itself which is sort of like the traditional graph writers are into the bombing the illegal aspect of it and and there seems to be this sort of feud going on between sort of where it's heading and that it's sort of like these legal works or things that are commissioned or people um you know it's sort of you know this sort of world has changed immensely you know from being kids from the wrong side of the tracks who are up to mischief and sort of doing, you know, like we're doing it generally for the love of, you know, the adventure, the excitement of going out and doing things and feeling connected to the other people who are doing it, you know, you felt part of a group. Uh, it's sort of become, uh, you know, it's become a lucrative business for people these days and it's not necessarily like people get into the scene these days more because they can see a gap or an angle and they want to fit in. Mm. Um, I don't think, you know, whether it's good or bad, everybody's going to have a different opinion. Um, I really enjoy seeing where the scene is going, and I think that it would be very boring if it didn't evolve. And for me, as an artist individually, as well as seeing where the scene's going, I think it's important for it to evolve and to move and to keep changing. And it would be very boring if it was always the same, and almost wouldn't be as I wouldn't be as enthusiastic to be a part of it if it was you know, always the same thing. Um, but yeah, I can see both sides of it, like coming from the traditional graffiti background and sort of feeling like I've uh, proved myself or earned my right of passage or earned my way from going out and doing illegal stuff or getting nabbed by the cops or get, being close to being getting put into a boy's home or like literally uh, risking you know, your freedom um, to sort of seeing how it's yeah, become like a business that's like yeah, it's, it's not good, it's not bad, it's just the way things are going. And I think at the end of the day, individuals and people should be able to do it however they want. 
and not have fuckwits that come and fuck up other people's pieces. There's other ways to um, deal with those sorts of things, you know. Like I think it's they're they're individual in their own right, and if if individuals choose to do more of the illegal stuff, then so be it. That's their choice. Um, if other people want to do things in a different manner, and then that's okay too. I think it's um, I think the scene sort of is has always you know there's politics and everything and everybody's going to have a different opinion but i think it's um you know i think like it it needs to be able to evolve it needs to be res- respected to go in directions that it needs to be and um and to tell you the truth i guess even like all the all the capping and all the politics and all that sort of stuff is actually what um makes it sort of strong in some ways too i think people find it really interesting all the you know, it's a whole nother world. I, I you meet people all the time these days who have become a, interested in the subculture, and it's partly responsible for all this social media, whether it's Instagram or Facebook. And there's like graffiti hunters that go around and uh, document stuff. And you meet these people in the street. You know, it's almost like they can smell the paint. And as soon as you start painting a wall, they'll pop up, you know, from behind a laneway or something. And you know, you often have very interesting conversations with them. But yeah, most people I talk to to them about it. It's sort of they, yeah, they once they become a part of this world and start to learn a little bit about it, they start looking at the urban environment a lot differently. And all of a sudden, you start to recognise who's who, or you know, pick up on different styles. And um, yeah, I think it's it's cool that people are taking more interest interest in it. And but once again, you know, it's always important to respect. So the people who laid down the foundations and who helped it become what it has become today and that I think is important for the new upcoming artists um, to take an interest and to sort of uh, understand the scene. And I think the scene is not one. I think it has a whole different lot of different facets and different directions and it's come in, you know, there's its expression and it's everybody that will do it in a different way because we're all individuals. So... Yeah, but you know, once again, it's just it's it's the way that the scene's progressing. But yeah, I do find it frustrating because I've been victim of it as well, and I see it happen around the place. I find it frustrating how um, sort of stuff gets screwed up, you know, gets fucked up. Someone will uh, dislike it and put a big piece over the top of it, and or you know, a big throwy or something, and there's this sort of real competitive edge. But at the same time, once again, that's what makes it you know um, interesting and. It sort of weeds out the, I guess, the people who are super keen to the people who are half-hearted about it. So in some ways, maybe that's a good thing too. And I sort of like to think of it, you know, turn a negative into a positive. And if they're focusing on fucking up your stuff, obviously you've got their attention enough that they they see you as a threat or see you, you know. So yeah. it's like, all right, cool, all right. You know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means you have to be working a bit harder to go and um, fixing stuff up or or just paint even harder. Because mm. <laughs> Sydney's got a bit of a. Uh I know an edge to it. Yep. Within its Definitely. rough scene, but yeah. um, you know, like, and you're you're a pretty chilled out guy. I like to think so. Yeah. yeah. Like, how how'd you find like um, you know, coming up through graffiti? Like, is you know, you spend like a massive chunk of your life doing it. Yeah. But being being you know, I guess linked to this uh, to a lot of people in the scene who are, you know, this I guess there's a few unsavory characters around, and you would you, oh, yeah. you just you'd have a be part of your life because you're in you're both graffiti artists you know yeah oh look some of these guys are my friends yeah um but yeah look sydney new south wales has always had a heavy criminal element attached to the graffiti scene 
So when I first started doing this stuff, like I was talking back to meeting Prince and Demote and um, a lot of other guys that I sort of grew up with. Uh, a lot of us were graph writers, bombers, slash searchers. And searchers were um, people who, well, you know, well, crims who would run around and try and find cash. So part of this scene, it was important to steal your paint or... You know, like if you're going to go do a mission, you had to organise where you're going to get your stock from. And like we weren't, we didn't have huge amounts of money back then to buy our paint, so we'd have to go, you know, rack it. Um, we also used to get into, you know, get the money, go straight to the, you know, get the cash. So we'd get into tills. Um, it became a very linked aspect of being a graph writer was to be a crim as well. Clothes as well. It was almost like particular uniforms, you know, like I guess... Hip-hop's always been into, like, their tracksuits and, you know, shoes and sneakers and sort of sporty sort of wear, but, like, I, like I guess Sydney took that one step further and there was, like, polo shirts and short shorts and, you know, certain types of shoes and it was, like, it sort of became this sort of, like, a real lad uniform and we used to all wear it and it was, you know... But yeah, it sort of had its ups and its downs. It sort of still had a bit of a negative sort of side of it because you know the graph scene was majority of it is male, you know, people who did it and egos become a part of it. And you know, it was just sort of you had to stick up for what you do. And if someone was going to put you down or start capping your stuff, you had to front up and and sort of like prove yourself to a certain extent. But it sort of got to a point where it became a little bit too violent, and in some ways that sort of fucked the scene for a little bit. But it's, it's part of it too, you know. For me, I didn't sort of continue doing the searching side of things for too long because I was a big, I know, big believer in karma. What goes around comes around. And as much as it was sort of exciting and fun at the time, I just wanted to focus more on the on the painting and the doing, the, you know, doing the pieces and going out and doing graph and doing the trains or whatever, you know, whatever we decided that we wanted to go off and do. And, yeah, it's, it is a part of Sydney, but so... There used to be crews like RBS was well known for, for being sort of like a big searcher scene. Um, used to be a crew 210 and the number 210 was actually a number for a till key. And if you were lucky enough to have this key, you could get into most tills around the city. This is before all the tills were like, I don't know, what do you call them? Like, a, um, what do you call it? Electronic? I don't know. Yeah. Like, um... Yeah, yeah. electronic, electronic yeah. sort of thing. You know, if you had one of these keys, you could, you know, if you were lucky enough or able to get into one of these things, you could pop it and get in there and get the cash and get the hell out. But usually, you know, we'd have a way of doing it. You'd have one person that was a distractor, so they'd probably go in, be dressed in nice clothes, try not to look too sus, of course, um, and sort of speak to the people in there about you know, a particular product or you know, let them know you're interested in something while. You know, five minutes later, your buddy will get in and hopefully be able to get in, grab what you need and get out again. Um, like, I find it a bit hard sort of talking about this sort of stuff, but it is something that I did and it was part of the scene back then. Like, these days, it's just like, I, you know, I sort of shake my head and think about all the stupid stuff I got up to as a kid. But that's what kids do and that's what we did. Yeah. And um, it sort of, yeah, it led to some interesting experiences and some crazy times. Like even the first time I went to Melbourne, I went there with Demote and we were there searching. Mm. We didn't go to paint. And we were sort of like, we're hanging out with guys like Ollie Bobbitt, um, who's the original guy who opened up Obese. And who else did we meet? remember meeting Gaz, Disguise, a very long time ago. He did this amazing piece back then that was uh, 
had all these different style arrows coming out, but he was like holding up a park bench somewhere, and I remember coming across him and being blown away by his his piece. And yeah, I met some other really good good friends through through that first trip. So people like you know like a uh, rush and um, death or binge that he puts up now, and they were sort of like old DMA old TGC, and we ended up sort of like putting up a sort of creating a crew called TPR, which was good for a while, and that was sort of like a link between Melbourne and Sydney and had some pretty cool painters that were a part of it. But yeah, these days, you know, just pretty much, I don't know, full-time painter. I don't even really consider myself a graphite these days. I love piecing and I'll always go back to it, but I also like the idea of being able to support myself and create artwork and make a living from doing that too. But the actual just aspect of going out and hanging out and having a paint, it's a social thing for us, you know, so still like the idea of going doing a track, track side, you know, um, panels, yeah, sure, but, you know, Sydney's a bit harder, I don't really like doing it in my own backyard, but, you know, overseas, hey, maybe, um, I still really, you know, I'm going to be a bit sad the day that I'm too old to, you know, leg it down the tracks or, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, definitely a part of it that I really enjoy doing it, to go out on a mission and to execute something and do it and do it well and get a buzz out of it it's it's exciting and I, yeah I really I really like that aspect of it and I think it's an important aspect of it as well you know graph is meant to be um, sort of executed in that way but once again I still believe too it's evolving it's moving to different directions and that you know now it's sort of like become things like scale and to get an opportunity to paint the side of a you know like 10 story building, you know, and things like that. I reckon that's unreal. I would, who would knock that back? I'd, you know, I'd love to do something like that. Mm. It sort of, yeah, it sort of changed the direction and the sort of what is now um, admired or appreciated or respected. But yeah, it's, the scene has definitely come leap, leaps and bounds and is moving in all sorts of different directions. And I think that can only be a good thing, so. Yeah. yeah. It's um, funny what you were saying about like the searches and all that because I, you know, I, I live with a couple of guys from Sydney. Mm-hmm. Who, who, My buddies, know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> was back, um, like I was back in the nineties. Yeah. I was, I was um, still in high school and stuff. But they'd, they'd come and pick me up on my um, lunch breaks at school. Yeah. And go, oh, let's just go for a walk around and get some lunch and stuff like that. And I didn't realize, like, I was so naive to what they were up to mm. that I was um. Like oh, they were using me as a distraction in the <laughs> shop, and I'd be going in and just talking to the, sh- the guy behind the counter or whatever about wh- whatever. Yeah. And then you know they'd be like, "Come oh, on, let's go." It's like, "All right, nice." And then they'd be like, "Oh, great work, Tom. Great work." Yeah. It's like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> like, Come out with full pockets like, or a few things hell, stashed under there. Bloody pop the shirt. till and all that, and yeah. got the money out. I, like I felt real bad. Yeah. It, you know. Oh. And like, oh, I had no idea. And I just realised that that's just Naive like, that's, it a, that's the Sydney thing. And then they were yeah. telling me, it's like, this is what we all do up in, in Sydney. And it's like, yeah. fucking hell. But then I remember going up, like the first time I painted in Sydney as well, there was a whole group of us. And mm. there was, um, yeah, there was just this big Maori guy standing there. And I was just chatting to him and saying, oh, aren't you going to have a paint? And he's like, no, nah, I'm, mm. I'm here to, you know, protect you if, if some guys come down and start trouble. It's like, yeah. bloody hell, you need, you need a... Uh, Security guard yeah. to paint, yeah. <laughs> like a bouncer. Yeah, well, it sort of is like that. You know, I'm glad to say that you know New South Wales, like Sydney, has chilled out a lot these days, which is good. Because, like I said, I, there was a certain point where I felt like it was killing the scene. People didn't want to go out and do stuff because they were too worried about 
you know, bumping into the wrong people and having a conflict. Mm. And it's happened before, you know, I've had my fair share of run-ins with people and it's just sort of part of it. Like sometimes I wonder why I'm still a part of this because there's been some pretty fucking full-on experiences which have really uh, uh, screwed up my life a little bit. But at the same time, you know, I'm a big believer in turning uh, negative into positive and in some ways these sorts of uh, negative experiences have pushed me in some different directions which have been beneficial to what I do. And I guess one of that, one of those sorts of things would be I did move to Melbourne because I was getting sick of what was going on in Sydney. And it, it ended up being the right choice and it was a really um, exciting part of my journey, I guess. And that was sort of where I was able to sort of make more a name for myself as an artist. I think a lot of the younger generation think that I'm actually from Melbourne, that I'm actually from New South Wales, from Sydney, because I lived there for such a long time. I was there for 11 11 years and then you know that's where I sort of met you and many other sort of like-minded painters and hooked up with Everfresh when that was first getting established and yeah they were really sort of exciting times and I really like too that the Melbourne's always been a little bit more open-minded about what's produced and how you can do it I think Sydney's very concerned about code of conduct how things are done and things need to be a particular way otherwise it's sort of like shunned or not necessarily respected Whereas I've always felt that Melbourne graph or the street art scene was more about being unique and individual and being different and it, it was more important to stand out from the rest and to do. So, you know, you got, you know, there was more interesting, more interesting to me, not to everyone, but, you know, more interesting stuff going on. So there was like posters and stencils and like artists that just completely stood out on their own and did completely different sorts of things. And to me, that was really invigorating, inspiring and I embraced it, I loved it. I liked not having, you know, being confined or if I did a little something that was a little bit too out there or a bit too arty that someone's gonna go, wow, where the fuck are you doing that shit for, you know? Yeah. Like, I, like, I liked being able to still experiment. And at the end of the day, really, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do what you do determined on what people's reactions are. You gotta do what you wanna do because you wanna do it. That's number one, the most important thing. But, you know, Melbourne and Sydney, neither, neither one is better or worse than the other. This is different things and that's what makes them individual you know or unique places and often like I'm always backwards and forwards between uh, Sydney and Melbourne and Melbourne is you know it's an important place for me and it's it's a home for me as well and I have many good friends and uh, I had my I had a kid there you know a little boy, I've got a little boy Luca who's now not a little boy anymore he's 12 years old and in high school and um yeah, once again, Everfresh is still kicking on and I'm still connected to those guys. I guess we're not necessarily working together as much as we are anymore, but we're, it's, you know, once again, it's interesting to see where, you know, where, where we have evolved to as well and how some of the artists, you know, what they're doing, some of them are overseas, some of them are still in Melbourne, one of them is in Adelaide. Like, we're still all around, but it's like, it's not quite the, the sort of, um, the old space we had down on Easy Street and then before that the one that was in the back of uh, was it 3CR um, and you used to work across the road yeah. from the Everfresh one um, sorry the Easy Street one which was pretty cool so we'd see you quite often but yeah it was good they were good times we, we, it was a lot more collaborations and banding together to sort of do you know missions and launches around the place yeah yeah so so a lot of people have um, you know commented that you taught 
the EverFresh guys how to use spray paint. Because uh-huh. you know, I guess there was a lot of um, paste-ups before you came on the scene. Oh, yeah. And I was, yeah. I was learning stuff from those guys too. I, I wanted to have a go. So I wouldn't say I um, taught them how to do it, but I think it was just that it's just inevitable that if we're around each other, we're influencing each other. Mm. And I guess we all came from different directions. That was what I really liked about EverFresh. You know, you got guys that came from doing stickers and posters you got guys that came from doing stencils. Uh, like we all came from really different backgrounds and how we became a part of the scene. And I like that. And, but I know, yeah, towards the end, more and more of us, we just all became more freestyle painters and sort of pieced. And I guess I was already sort of relatively established and had worked out a style and um, sort of, I guess I'm quite well known for the cutback sort of techniques which is a very common way of painting these days but back then I wouldn't say that I'm the originate like the original person to invent it or anything but I definitely utilized it a lot and I think it also influenced other painters to sort of use the same techniques I was always very interested in I don't know coming from Sydney everything's about being clean and super tight and yeah cut back these days I'm really more and more interested in sort of doing things that are loose and messy and a bit more um, I don't know what sort of word is like expressionistic sort of you know like sort of get into the moment and splat paint around and do that but I guess that's the beauty of it you know it's good not to get too wrapped up in one particular style and it's important to always keep moving well for me anyway as an artist it's uh, good to just to sort of mix things up and think outside the box and try something different but yeah look I think most guys these days um, like it's interesting to see where Roan's come from you know Roan used to just do stencils and these days he does these monster um, he's worked out his technique, he's the way that he does what he does, and he does it, you know, he's a master at it, he's worked it out. Um, you know, Meg's, I think, same, he was like stencils and that sort of stuff, and now does a lot of freehand work. But, yeah, I think, yeah, definitely, I reckon the guys learnt from me, but I also equally as much learnt from them too. Mm. And sometimes it might even be more to do with business, and it's not necessarily even painting techniques, it's just more how you manage yourself and do what we do uh, full time because that's the other side of thing I can paint you know I can paint and I can paint and I can paint but it's the thing that I've always struggled with and found hard is the the business side of things I hate looking at emails and I think it's a bit of an in-house joke with the rest of Everfresh you know I've always been considered you know as soon as I got an iPhone they were all bagging the fuck out of me mm. you know even like with Instagram when, and when was that last week <laughs> Yeah, a little longer than that, but yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit hopeless, and I've sort of resisted it as well. I've always, you know, I always thought you didn't really need to do that sort of stuff. But to tell you the truth, this day and age, you sort of need to be keep up to date with what's happening. Like same with Instagram, I'm, I'm on it and a part of it, but I've resisted that for a very long time too. So of course, when I've, you know, a lot of buddies would put up hashtag Fibs needs Instagram. I think it was Beastie and Nummy and dudes over at High Ground. They used to always joke about it and put it up so it sort of made sense that once I got onto Insta it was Fibs has Instagram so (laughs) finally yeah finally I'm pretty slack on it but I tend not to I just put stuff up but I can can be a man of not many words sometimes as well so yeah yeah because we did all we have always joked about that like especially Mm. like like now you're sort of catching up but there were years ago where it's like um you know like I think, like, we were saying, oh, I've got to get a photo of you, like, on a laptop or something like yeah. that, because it's just 
It's like chalk and cheese. It's just... yeah. <laughs> well, I do have a laptop now. Wow. Wow. I know, times are changing. I but I still I still struggle. Some days I just don't want to look at a screen or anything like I find it hard. Like at the end of the day, this sort of I, I always tilt. You know, I'm always in between. Like I'd love to just be able to paint nonstop and just do what I do and just go out and piece walls and and I still do. I just do it for the, like I said. It's a very important aspect of who I am and what I do these days. But you know, I tried to fit into society and tried so many different sorts of jobs that it made complete sense that it you know it was important to try and do what I do and make ends meet doing that but it's yeah it's definitely important for me to not just do what I do as work because I think it loses its I'd lose my enthusiasm for it you know Mm. I don't I want to be able to do things the way that I want to do them and sometimes doing a commission or a job you can't necessarily do that well you can I guess it depends on what you take on but yeah for me it's it's a social thing you know we managed to squeeze in a piece yesterday afternoon. Yeah. We have to go back and get shots of it, huh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, the winter, winter sun went down a bit too quick. Too many beers again. Yeah. Yeah. So being that you're, um, you know, you're not that into being like look and being on the computer and answering emails and all that sort of stuff, how do you manage to um, maintain a, an art career? Uh, still a bit of a struggle, but I think I'm just comfortably. I've got enough that's enough to not stress me out because I'm too flat out and too busy but enough just to keep me going but yeah once again it's a real competitive world you yeah know, there's um a lot of people doing some, it there's a lot of people doing it too yeah and it like I said it's become like I yeah I find it a little bit frustrating sometimes too but it sort of it has it's become a lucrative business and the audience has changed now like there's big business interested in it there's festivals that are interested in it there's you know it's gone from artists doing the, themselves that now that there are people that work as art managers and it's become management as well it's really interesting to see how the scenes moving um, but I'm still not too sure how I feel about it it's going to happen anyway regardless and but it's just sort of yeah it's like people I think that's what is that that's what creates the sort of the tension throughout the scene that it's you know that it's becoming to be is becoming about money it's becoming about a, a dollar sign or a value in it and that it's more sometimes it's this sort of funny topical debate about you know i don't know how do, how do you put oh it's like any artwork i guess but you know, i think something that's done illegally in the street is you know, to me that is still really a major part of of this type of work and i really like the artists that still maintain or still contribute to the scene in that that way, in that manner. They're still active and will still um, put work up. Not not just be in galleries, you know. A bit of like I like to consider myself as like I'm a jack of all trades. So uh, I still love doing pieces. I still go out and do the occasional cheeky somewhere. Um, I but I at the same time I still want to be able to do studio work and paint canvases and maybe when times are quiet I'll have an exhibition or no I don't don't mind doing the odd workshop and working with kids trying to school the next generation Uh, like if I had opportunities like that when I was a kid I would have loved it and I think it's sort of good to educate people and but yeah that like it's definitely like it's I'm I'm interested to see where the next the next place it's going to head is Mm. you know it's there's it's um, becoming 
very collectible, you know. And yeah, I, yeah. Like I said, it's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just it is what it is, and that's what's happening. So it's just if you don't if you don't like the way it's is going, don't be a part of it. <laughs> Otherwise, you need to sort of work out how to play the game. Actually, see, sort of the it's like a bit of a game. You've got to learn out how to how to play the game. So mm. yeah, because there's um, it's like there's become a industry standard on on pricing walls and all mm. this type of stuff. Is yep. it's like a you know, as you were saying, there's a lot of people who are coming in just to manage projects and stuff, yep. who don't paint, and yep. it's um, it's really interesting time. Yeah, definitely. So now it sort of becomes this thing that you have to be hooked up with the right people to get these opportunities. Mm. Whereas I think unless these people know exactly who they want and they might want you, they'll come directly to you. Otherwise, mm. like yeah, it is a, it is a very competitive world. But, definitely. Yeah. But getting back to um. You know uh, your studio work yep. and exhibitions and stuff. Did you find that once you um, became part of the Everfresh crew, you started taking your um, studio practice a lot more seriously? Yeah, definitely. I guess being I have had a few different studios in my time. It's definitely coming back to Sydney. I sort of hooked up with Higher Ground, which was really nice little space for Sydney, even though like you know Melbourne's unreal for collectives and just studio spaces and warehouses are easy, more easier to find, to come across. And I don't know if anything could have ever, well, I don't think anything can ever compare with Everfresh and how, like, definitely the first space, the back of 3CR and then Everfresh um, opposite your old work down on Easy Street, that was, you know, that was a great space. Besides the fact it was a bit like a uh, casino and there was no real natural light that went in there, so you'd go in there and it'd be like a bit of a time warp. <laughs> as well as being a place where people get rowdy and drink too much and get a little bit loose, which is always fun too. Um, but yeah, um, working in a space where there's lots of other artists doing their thing is, I really enjoy that sort of side of it. There might be times where I'm feeling a bit you know, unmotivated and not really feeling it. And by seeing what others are doing gives you a bit of a kick up the ass. And, and but. I think it's always been, like even before I got into the graph scene, I was always painting little canvases and doing that sort of stuff. It was natural for me. but And I sort of do it, I almost do what I do too, almost like therapy. Like for me, it's just, if I don't, it's like a release for me. If I don't do it, uh, I feel like there's something not quite right. And so I'd always be creating stuff anyway. And I've got a huge amount of crap, which I'm a bit of a hoarder and have, works of my own to works that I've collected from other people but and I call it crap but it's and some people probably would see it as crap but they're all it's very important sort of stuff for me but it started, it started to get to a point now where it's just built built up and it's built up and I reckon I could do an unreal retrospective show or something like that and one day I might I might but um I've started to try and yeah the idea of selling works and creating pieces for shows or or even thinking about what you're putting out like um to create a series of work that is cohesive and all works together or even you know i've been working with different artists lately as well and you know i've been working a lot with george rose at the moment which has been nice and just even to think differently about what am i painting um why am I painting this? And if somebody came up and asked me what it means, what would I say? So it's sort of like, it's, yeah, or even, because I guess a lot of the work that I create, I just sort of do it subliminally. Like I have a lot of like crazy characters and I guess a lot of my stuff is based on nature uh, in, and I have my own sort of like stylized approach to how I do what I do. 
but it's yeah you can always I think being an artist it's important to always rethink always try new things and to understand and accept that there's never a point that you know everything that it's ongoing it's much like a bit like life really you just you have to be open to to you know like it's otherwise you sort of get stagnant you sort of you know I think um Look, I love graph. I know there's a lot of graph writers out there that sort of just do these sort of generic sort of style pieces. They master it and they just sort of like do it like a stamp again and again. And that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But the the artists that I really admire are the people that sort of take it to the next level, take it to the next level, take it to the next level and just push it that little bit further. To me, that is a really good quality to have. And um, yeah, I think with my studio work, it's... It sort of moves more into sort of brush work at the moment. I'm really enjoying messing around with acrylic paint. I'm still using aerosols, but I've just found that the, the aerosol on canvas or even on board, it doesn't last so long. There's a lot of chemicals in it and it tends to crack up and doesn't doesn't last the test of time so well. So uh, I guess I'm also trying to, spit better late than never, but I've sort of you know sucked in huge amounts of aerosols and fumes and whatever else I've been putting in my lungs. Um, but acrylic, I like acrylic too, just because it's a little, little more friendly to work with. And I sort of really like the, the texture that it creates on canvas. So, and I would like to do more of that stuff. But I do find with my practice, I am constantly jumping around and I, I think it's good in some aspects, but it's also not so good in some aspects because it means that I never quite take one direction as far as it could potentially go. So I'm still trying to be a little bit more focused and I think with my... Um, my practice I need to sort of put on my blinkers and like really push something a long way before jumping to the next thing which I tend not to do I jump all over the place pretty quick <laughs> I have a short ex- attention span I think I think um I think I have a bit of ADD as well like most of us so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so have you um have you traveled much for your art like to do murals and things like that yeah no I traveled a little bit it's no, it's pretty cool. Some of the opportunities that have popped up through being a part of this, you know, part of this world, and just I never thought that I'd be able to travel, do this, have travelled a lot on my own coin, and just gone to whether it's festivals or places just to experience and you know, treat it as like an excursion to be influenced by what else is getting done in other corners of the world, and it's always been you know, I'm always blown away, but I've also been lucky enough to be invited to a few festivals or interesting opportunities have popped up I had one that was a pretty crazy trip I tend not to travel too much by myself but I want to do more of it and one of the trips where I did travel to myself I got invited to a a festival in Mumbai in India which was pretty hectic place but amazing at the same time huge amount of amazing sights and smells and just a sensory overload and I went there actually, it wasn't even like a street art or a graph festival. Was, I went there for a festival which was called Tech Fest, which was to do with technology. And, <laughs> and they get you along. And they got me along <laughs> to paint some bloody walls. So it's in, in a university over there in IIT, uh, Bombay or Mumbai. Um, and yeah, that was an amazing experience. I had to paint a big theme, which is actually, it's in the uh, Everfresh book that we put out. But it was like a theme of zoom into the future and save the planet, which was right up my alley, I think. So I was quite happy with that. But of course, once I got there, I could not find any spray paint. The spray paint that I did find were, I think they were Montanas that had some Indian paint label remade and rewrapped 
around it and then they were selling them but they were the only they had lots of the cheapo like export style cans but the the other stuff I found at least say about I don't know almost 10 cans of a good black with a you know I could put a, a New York fat cap on it and but the rest of it I pretty much had to adapt and use a lot of I ended up putting a whole lot of enamel through a spray gun and it worked quite well it was just a little bit fuzzy and luckily I had a quite big wall so I didn't have to do anything that was too detailed but yeah that was definitely a, an experience and even just I know I actually really enjoyed using a spray gun it ended up getting a quite interesting effect but yeah I, like an amazing experience and there's been a few other really cool trips where we've I don't know you sort of just go off on an adventure and see you know you hook up try and hook up with the locals or um yeah just crazy things happen and yeah good times I want to do a lot more traveling I think mm. it's it's a fun you know, and it's cool too you know being a part of this scene and especially you know definitely one of the good aspects of all this social media is that it's easier to hook, hook up with people now you can go overseas and you know hunt someone down or find someone whose work you admire or you might have a mutual friend it's just that sort of networking and it's sort of yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to, to do that sort of stuff. And it's sort of, yeah. But yeah. yeah. I guess it's, um yeah, with social media and like, you know, lots of people have websites or something like that. It's, it's, yeah. there's, there's a way to contact a lot of people. It's, um, mm. I find that even if you have, haven't contacted people, but you, you find yourself painting in the city and other artists mm. see you, they'll like automatically just start talking to you. And yeah. before you know it, you could be out anywhere doing anything has it's, I find uh, it I find yeah. it a bit funny too but you know because you could like you, if you're looking at some artist that's doing stuff in another part of the world and all their pictures that they post they might look like the most up person ever but it's all a bit smoke and mirrors you know like and then you actually if you were to actually go to that country you won't see any of their work mm. so it can actually be a bit misleading too and I was even listening to the radio of some report where they were saying that people that look at Instagram are more likely to get depression because <laughs> even besides the graph scene and people you know showing off um, you know, it's, it's always people posting sort of, there's a, I think there's a lot of FOMO, you know. Like, yeah. uh, it's and a highlight of, reel, isn't it? Yeah, or even like girls, you know, those girls will love posting, you know, selfies and pictures of themselves and how stunning they're looking or look at the food I'm eating or look at where I am and it's sort of like it, you know, I'm on it. <laughs> Fibs has Instagram and I'm, I'm a part of it, but it's sort of like... Yeah, I try hard not to get sucked into the Instagram vortex and get too, you know, because, yeah, it's like use it, but don't abuse it sort of thing. I think it's the same with everything because I can, you know, you can end up doing too much looking and I don't think, you know, you need to sometimes not, like I think even when I'm trying to come up with new ideas and things, I need to cut off from all that social media because I want the ideas not to be influenced too much by anything else. Mm. And like whether we're talking about Everfresh guys or studio buddies or being together, it's just natural that, you sort of pick up things from each other and you sort of subconsciously start doing things that you might not necessarily think at the time is linked to one of your other studio buddies, but you just it just naturally sort of happens. Yeah. You know, it's like if you, you know, I think there's, uh, yeah, it's happened many, many a time, but it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is good, I think, with when you're developing new ideas to somehow put your blinkers on and try and switch off a bit because... Yeah, you know, it's, it's like people always say with music too, you know, it's like, oh, the 80s style is back again. Listen to all this, you know, it's like it, things sort of go in cycles, I think. And I think it's the same with the graph scene or the street art scene, you know, like things that are really seem to be really in vogue at the moment is portraiture, 
you know? Yeah. So portraits and it's this stuff that sort of is still very close to the fine art world. It's still linked, but it's still done in a manner the way that street art or the graph writers do it. And I guess, what else am I noticing? Patterns seem to be big at the moment, you know? Um, decorative sort of like pattern work and yeah. And uh, I'd be interested to see where the next, the next direction or the next thing that's in vogue is. But yeah, being an artist too, I think you've got to stick to, you know, it's, it's better to create your own direction, not jump on the bandwagon of what's popular at the time. And I see a lot of that going on at the moment. Mm. And I reckon all this social media, Instagram and all that sort of stuff is partly responsible for it too, because there's, you know, you just have to look, you know, you look up artists that you feel connected or like the style of, and you can sort of take little, you know, Graph Scene calls it biting, you know, that's what it is. You take little snippets of this, a little snippet of that. And um, so I think it's, in some ways it's probably really hard. I don't know, maybe it's virtually impossible to come up with a completely unique, original, way of doing something I don't mm. know well you seem to have re- really um, coined your style you know it's like it's with um, yeah, I guess you got like sort of a hippie vibe going yeah. on oh, I get but, all sorts of comments yeah but, it's, but if you look at like say early demote and prins it's sort of you can still see mm. where you know your, your mentors um, fingerprint on the style that you, you paint today yeah they're know? partly responsible for it too definitely and I you know like I said I don't speak to them that much but you know I'm sure they know and I'll always pay homage or respect those those figures in my journey because they have they were influential on on where I am now but yeah I guess a lot of people see my stuff and they either see like a lot of comments I get you know it definitely gets labeled as tribal heavy line work you know flat color uh, bold graphic I get you know I guess my link I think people who do know me think that, like, um, actually, some people think that I'm Polynesian before they meet me. They think I'm an islander or something because of the curls. Mm. They either say, like, Polynesian or South American. And for me, I have always been interested in symbology or symbols. So I usually, a few, you know, common symbols that I will use again and again, like there was a hand that I'd use quite often, which is a hand with an eye in it. And I guess, you know, growing up in or sort of being living in Melbourne, you know, there's a big uh, Israeli or Jewish community there and they use the hand and the eye. Uh, quite often too but for me it wasn't necessarily referencing that for me it was more I'm not religious at all but my artwork is treated like a religion I do it every day it gives me purpose it gives me satisfaction it makes me feel like I have something to offer to this world um, so for me it's paying homage to if I didn't have my eyes I couldn't see if I didn't have my hands I couldn't make so it was like a symbol that I came up with but same like I do the curls quite often and for me, that's not necessarily, like I think some people could interpret that as my link to Haro, to Prince, my Maori mentor. But for me, it's more, I grew up down the South Coast where I you know, would spend a lot of time on the beach collecting shells, bones, feathers. You know, I think for a while there I wanted to be David Attenborough. And I was making up my own museums and finding things to bring home. Some of them not too desirable. They weren't quite dead yet, I don't think some of them. But <laughs> I like bones and skulls and that sort of stuff and still do. But for me, the shell was the sort of where I got the spiral symbol from, and that is quite common within my work. And for me, it's it could be anything from a shell to a journey, a life journey. You know, you go from one point to another point, or and I really like I do have meaning behind what I do. And if someone takes the time to ask me, I can explain to them why I've painted something a particular way. But because my work is quite abstract and 
um, decorative people see stuff within it that I haven't necessarily planned and I really like it when people tell me what they're seeing or what they feel from it but I also know too it's, it's more it's, it is important to uh to sort of I'm trying to you know like I do things at first and I don't necessarily know why I've done it but it's like later on down the track I'll actually I'll work out where that little idea has come from why have I've done something a particular way so yeah I, I still want to be a bit more directed in where I'm what I'm doing and try some different subject matters and different ways of doing what I do but I still really like that aspect of it that it's sort of in creating a piece of artwork is a journey in itself and you might be feeling shit you might be feeling on top of the world and or there might be other things going on and all of that comes out in what it, what you're creating and I think that's good so yeah cool all right so do you have, um do you have any um like future plans or projects in the go ooh I think I've mentioned future plans and projects before on other interviews or and things like that and I, f- I feel like sometimes I like they're things I want to do but I feel like sometimes too I put pressure on myself because it's like I don't get them done quick enough but <laughs> but yeah I've got so many fucking things that I want to do and it's just like there's not enough hours in the day to do them I would love to make more sculptural stuff I really like 3D um, I was blown away when Gary Mc- Gary uh, Barry McGee came to Melbourne and had his big show where he collaborated with the there was another artist, a sculptural artist that he hooked up with and had all those moving, like there was like mannequins of him and his mates, you know, like amazing those dudes on top of his other shoulders with moving bits and like I really like the idea of creating a space that is an experience. But I also like the idea of putting, like creating works that uh, sit in an environment. So I'd really like to make some huge sculptures and link sort of the painting element into it as well and like stuff that's larger than life but it's just that thing of finding the space to make them and then once you've made it what the fuck are you going to do with it where are you going to store it but that is something definitely a direction I'd like to go I'm always making little sculptures at home I haven't been quite ready to show them yet but that's been like I said I'm a hoarder so like I'll walk down the street and pick up bits of plastic I'm a bit of a bowel bird you know I'll find things and I'll have all these, I'll collect things with the idea of a project, but then it might, the collecting can sometimes outweigh the making. So I'll end up having all this crap that sometimes I need to be a little bit more uh, thoughtful before bringing stuff home and um, yeah, I'm running out of room very quickly. Um, but yeah, always making little sculptures. Some of them are a lot, bit easier to store because they're on a smaller scale. I'd love to make some kids books at some point. Like I've got all these crazy characters that I've sort of developed and made and would like to do something with them at some point but once again time and yeah time and energy which I find it find it hard to fit them in I guess the way that I work is I sort of nab whatever jobs I can that are coming up at the time which are you know you need to keep the money coming in but I think I'd like to start rethinking how I use my time and actually put aside more time to do these sort of like little side projects which might not necessarily be money at the time but could turn into something but it's just that thing that you have to start it off kick it off get it started and then and then get it to a point so that you can yeah um turn it into something positive but i'm a good yeah i've got lots of little projects on the go and sometimes they might sit there for a year and then i'll pick it back up again and get back onto it and then it'll go back you know back in the shelf for a little while and 
So I'm a good one at jumping around. I'm, I'm good at the starting process. I'm, I, I think I need to improve on the finishing <laughs> side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Always room for improvement. So. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, um, we'll start wrapping this up. Yeah. But um, but thanks again for taking the time to have a have a chat. Yeah. And um, like once again, where's uh, best place for people to check out your art online? Ooh. Oh yeah. Well, I think we've just talked all about Fibs Instagram, so you can look that one up. But I don't know. Is it all just one word? Fibs has Instagram. Oh, Fibs underscore has underscore Instagram. Yeah. But otherwise, come to Sydney or come to Melbourne. Yeah. I reckon that's where you go see stuff. <laughs> I think it's. Get off your get off your devices. Go walk around. Get amongst it. Yeah, I think that's what that's that's the the true nature of it. I think uh, I love this this scene and world. Like I said, I try and resist getting sucked into the the screen or in, in the vortex of your laptop or your your iPhone. And I think it's more important just to get out there and explore. And I think uh, I love just you know that's why I love Melbourne when I first went there. Just you just wander down laneways and see what you can find and you also you always find some some weird ass thing so yeah cool. but yeah melbourne and sydney i don't know um where else can you find my stuff hopefully in more galleries soon yeah <laughs> so yeah all right well thanks again mate cheers tom okay i hope you enjoyed this week's episode to find out more about today's guests go to benchtalkpodcast.com there you'll find all previous episodes and images of the guest's artwork. Also follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. There you can keep up to date with all things that are happening with the podcast. Bench Talk's also streaming on SoundCloud and Facebook. Just simply search for Bench Talk Podcast. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review. It helps get the word out. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.